Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about content marketing, how you can get results, sales, traffic, anything, anything with content marketing. And I'm excited to discuss this topic. Felix, Alison Hervohalen. How are you? Oh, sorry for pronouncing your name. Yeah, yeah you know, for, for me. Halen. Yeah, you got it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm Ukrainian. For me, it's hard to pronounce any names. Uh, I'm trying hard before the webinars, uh, you know, spend some time, but I always fail with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we start, just tell more about yourself, uh, experience, background, and why you decided to pay a lot of attention with content marketing. Yeah, so I fell into this business. I always loved writing growing up, so I fell into this on the writing side. Um, was told that writing was not a viable career option and I should choose something more practical. So I was like, well, maybe if I can't make a living making writing books, maybe I can make a living making books. So I went to college for um, studied in, uh, yeah English and psychology, which turned out to be the perfect degree for content marketing. Had no idea what content marketing was thought I wanted to work in publishing, graduated in 2009, right after the job market crashed here in the US. So there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So, you know, I was a receptionist, I was in customer service, they were jobs, they were not careers, found myself between jobs at one point and my roommate at the time, her dad, who was an attorney, was awesome and offered to give me stuff to do around his office until I got back on my feet. And one of the things he needed was someone to write blog posts for his law firm. And he knew I had a strong writing background, so he offered me the gig and I was more than happy to get paid to write. So I jumped at that chance and it just took off. I was very successful writing for him, got him a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of good clients, <laughs> way more than he was paying me. Um, and then I started writing for an associate of his and then for some friends of mine. And it just kept growing to the point where I could not do that and my day job. I did eventually get another day job, but I was also writing on the side. So yeah, I quit the day job and have been doing this full-time ever since. And before we went live, you and I were talking about SEO and the more I do blogging, the more I realized I needed to learn SEO just because you can't have one without the other these days. So that has been uh, something I've had to learn on the job as I, as I, explore this career. So yeah, now I'm a content marketer and SEO strategist and speaker and author and who knows what I'll add to my credentials next. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. And you know, uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, writing books, uh, reading books. You know, it's interesting that uh, my loved book uh, is uh, uh, Martin Eden, uh, done by Jack London a uh, hundred years ago, more than 100 years ago. And I love this book because uh, from that book, I've learned uh, it's better to practice more than uh, learn. And uh, um, even uh, today it works well because I often see when some someone uh, spends uh, some time to learn, ignoring acting. It doesn't work. You know, if you don't act, you can't produce great results. For example, you can read books how to play tennis. But if you don't play tennis, you can't be successful with that. So love it. And yeah, uh, by the way, I, I, I've learned your story about uh, working to your dad. You know, I love this story. That's a good start. And in 2009, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting that I had a financial company in Ukraine in 2008 and the world crisis destroyed this company completely. I, I, I 
got like you no. Know, I spent all my resources, uh, all money that I had uh, to uh, promote to grow this company. We earned good money, but uh, the Ukrainian government disallowed all banking loans. Loans and I lost everything uh, just for a few months uh, after the world crisis came to Ukraine. Even more, I had debts like 3,000 salaries, average salaries in Ukraine. That was hard to get them back. And I spent like five years to get them back. So I, I know how it's hard. But uh, for me, uh, you know, it's more important uh, what kind of experience can you get. You no, know, if you get experience, yeah, you can overcome everything. Money, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's more important your experience. You can uh, get back all money if you lose them. Uh, failing only brings a new experience, nothing else. Okay, let's start uh, from our main topic uh, about content marketing strategy. I often see when uh, companies are chasing their own strategy. And uh, I check out a few studies online that uh, only 36% of all online projects have a documented content strategy. Most of them are chasing some uh, high volume uh, and don't care about competition, about their customers. Uh, they uh, just uh, are chasing money. Uh, can you tell how to find today the right strategy in this uh, fierce uh, competition that we have online? Yeah, it all comes down to identifying your target audience and getting as much information on them as you can so that you're not trying to speak to, like you said, everyone on the Internet. We have more than four billion, I think it's four million blog posts being published um, every day. Every day we have millions of blog posts being published. So if you're going to cut through the noise, the answer is to find that niche that's underserved. What, Where is the audience that you can serve that is interested in what you have to provide that resonates with your content and create content that they want to read that answers their questions? And we mentioned, uh, again, SEO and keywords. And you do want to go for that keyword that, yes, it has a decent search volume, um, but you want to make sure it's not super competitive. A lot of people, a mistake I see is they go for the ones with a really high search volume and they don't take a look at the competition. And any keyword research tool you use is going to tell you how competitive it is. If there's a ton of content out there already using that keyword, you're not going to rank. So sometimes you have to go for something with a little bit lower search volume, but also a lower competition. So again, it's all about finding that niche. It might be a smaller audience, but it is also more likely to be an audience that will find you and be more engaged with you. And then more likely to take the next step through the buyer journey to become customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the question about copywriting. Uh, for example, uh, when I order content online, uh, I mean like text, uh, I often see when copywriters just rewrite existing content in the top 10 results uh, without providing uh, something new. Uh, yeah, you can check out this content uh, with uh, tools. We have a bunch of tools and they can share 100% unique. But uh, it's only the text, uh, not context. Can you tell how to research content before uh, creating, before writing? And uh, because I think it's important today to share something new in your content. Uh, If you just rewrite, I think Google has enough uh, methods to check out uh, this content. Even, uh, you know, it's not only about Google. I think... uh, uh, people, they are looking content online. If they uh, read totally the same information, it's like uh, to watch the same movie. You watched this movie before. And, you know, uh, when I ask my friends about new movie, they can reply, ah, oh, nothing special. I I saw many times the same quote. Can you tell about researching and uh, providing something new? 
Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head when you said not only does Google prefer original content, but also real life people prefer original content because if they, it's all, the whole reason to create content uh, is to position yourself as an authority, as the go-to person in your industry for whatever it is you're providing. And if you're creating the same content as someone else and putting it out there, then they have no reason to go to you over someone else because they can go somewhere else to get the same content. So a when it comes to branding and positioning yourself as that expert, you really want to make sure that your content is unique. And again, like you said, Google prefers that unique content. If it finds duplicate content, you're not going to rank as well. So you want to make sure it's as unique as possible, again, both for Google and for the real live people. So yeah, you want to make sure that you are, again, understand your target audience. And when you find a, a good keyword, a good topic to cover, cover everything there is to cover on that given topic. So I think there's nothing wrong with covering aspects of that topic that other people have covered, not word for word, but you can cover the same material, but then you also wanna cover everything there is to cover in that topic in your blog post. That's how you get that long ultimate guide style post. A, Google loves it, and B, that's gonna position you as the authority because now they're getting information from you that they're not getting anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't avoid one question, you know, because I see uh, books on your background. Can you tell your love of books and why you love them? <laughs> I've always loved books. Um, and yeah, if you can see, that's my book right there, the one that's standing up, uh, Content Marketing Made Easy, quick plug for that. Um, yeah, I've just, ever since I was growing up, um, I, I loved reading, I loved writing. I have been writing stories for as long as I can remember. I think as, as soon as I learned my alphabet, I was making up stories and I was reading just as much as I could. So yeah, I'm an avid book collector. The bookshelves behind me are just a fraction of my overall book collection. So I read every chance I get. I read fiction. I read nonfiction. I read all genres. Um, it's just it's my favorite way of consuming stories and my favorite way of telling stories. So I love that I happen to fall into this career where I get to tell other people's stories and get paid for it. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, okay, uh, let's get back to the main topic. Um, when you create content, um, I think um, uh, a few online studies share that 80% uh, of users can leave content for a few seconds. You know, they open and leave it. How to catch their attention? How to hook them? Uh, how to provide a strong reason to consume content? Because, you know, for example, uh, uh, I read a book from Josh Ogerman and even uh, he wrote this book. Uh, I don't remember exactly the name of this book, but he wrote this book like 40 years ago and he uh, shares on this book about uh, starting from uh, short sentences and uh, incomplete sentences. And when people read the first sentence, uh, they uh, are not satisfied. They want to read the second sentence, the first sentence, and then you can hook them and uh, retain. And it works today, even to, uh, when you create content, for example, you need to catch their attention. So I love this technique to start from short sentences, but it's not enough. How to provide a strong reason to read the whole content? Because we can't sell if people just uh, um, Check out the first sentence, uh, leave it, uh, forget about this content. Uh, yeah, provide more insights about that. Yeah, so that psychology, that human psychology has not really changed. We are still more likely to read those shorter sentences. The shorter paragraphs, you'll also see that a lot in blog posts these days where you'll have a paragraph that's like 
one or two sentences. And then the next paragraph is one or two sentences. So you see a lot of white space and that even if it's a really long post by breaking it up like that and breaking it up with images, that prevents people from getting overwhelmed and seeing a ton of text on their screen and going, oh my God, I can't, I can't do all of this. Um, if it's, if it's just a short sentence, they're more likely to read it. And then they'll, before they know it, they're on to the next one. But like you said, it's, it, there's more to it than that. You need a hook right at the beginning. You need something that resonates with them. And again, this all comes back to knowing your target audience. What are their pain points and how can you convince them that you understand their pain points and you can solve it for them? So that has to be at the very beginning is introducing that pain point right at, off the top in your in your content um, and and then just digging in that knife and making sure that uh, that you understand and you make them understand that if they don't do something, if they don't take action, it's only going to get worse. So paint that picture for them and then say, oh, by the way, I happen to have the solution for this. Here it is. And then provide your solution. So that's where the, the story aspect comes into content marketing, which I think is so important and so underutilized by a lot of brands. Nice. Nice. Well explained. Uh you mentioned about uh, knowing your audience. Can you tell how to learn the audience? For example, if some brands have uh, customers, how to learn them? How do we know that our content will satisfy them uh, and lead in the right direction? Yeah. So if you already have customers, I always say to look at who are your favorite customers, who are the people that you really enjoy working with, that it's, it's just easy to work with them um, and figure out what, what traits those customers share so that you can find more people like them. And then just ask. You can learn so much about your clients, especially if you already have a relationship with them, just by asking. Um, and finally, social media. If you don't yet have a following or if you're starting to build a following, but you don't have a whole lot, see who's following your competition. See who's following content or hashtags related to the content that you're creating or that you want to create. And then see the other brands and the other people that they're following and the kinds of content that they're posting. Um, that can give you a lot of information as to the kinds of people who uh, will be best served by your message. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about uh, adding keywords to content. Uh, can you tell how to edit add them? For example, I remember when uh, one client told me, you need to use 5% of this keyword on the text, uh, this keyword 10%. And I asked him back, can you explain where you get this ratio of 5-10%? I think it's obsolete technique like uh, 10 years ago. And uh, definitely I don't check out any content if I create. I just uh, write for a human. Of course, I can optimize for search engines as well. But uh, tell where we can submit uh, keywords today that Google will understand uh, content and rank well. Yeah, I think there is always a fine line between writing for Google and writing for humans because you can put all these weird things in there that Google will love, but a, a real person reading that will go, that's not a full sentence or that's not proper grammar. It, it doesn't make any sense. So you, you kind of have to walk that that fine line. I do think keywords are important. I do think it's kind of weird, like you said, that he wanted like certain percentages of certain uh, keywords. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's still what Google uses is keywords. Uh, it's matching what people are putting into search 
versus what's in the content. Um, and that's obviously there's a lot more to SEO than keywords, but that's at the heart of it is, are you covering topics that people are looking for? And it has to be relevant. Don't just put in keywords for the sake of putting keywords. Make sure that you understand the questions people are asking when they're using that search term and make sure that you're actually creating content that answers those questions, because that's how you're going to, again, position yourself as an authority in your industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I checked out on your LinkedIn that uh, you have skills in psychology. Can you tell how psychology can help you today to write uh, text? Yeah, well, like we were talking about earlier, getting that hook and and helping people understand why why they should keep reading when there's tons of content out there. And it all comes back to understanding their pain points and their psychology. What is going to motivate them to keep reading? What is going to motivate them to take the next step in the buyer journey? What step makes sense? Like what next level should they take from where they are now? Should they go straight to buying or should it be, you know, sign up for, you know, my newsletter or follow me on social media or something. Um, it's it's all about understanding people and how their minds work. Um, and yeah, so it, it's super important in marketing to understand how the brain works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask about writing text. Uh, for example, uh, how to find your style? Because uh, uh, when I check out some online studies, uh, uh, they recommend to uh, write like you talk uh, or, uh, I don't know, or uh, use conversational tone. But uh, sometimes it's not the case. Uh, it, it depends on your audience. Can you tell uh, how to find the right style when you create content? Yeah, so I, as a solopreneur, um, and I work with a lot of solopreneurs, so I tend to start with, yeah, write like you talk. Um, But as you grow and add people to your team, and if you want to add someone like me to write content for you, we need to make sure that we're writing like you and not like ourselves so that you're, you're, you have this cohesive brand. Everything you create should sound like your brand. So as a solopreneur, I do tend to start with, you know, how do I talk? What are some of the words that I use? What are some of the words that I want to be associated with my brand? Um, So figure that out. What are some of the words that you are comfortable using that not necessarily your competition is using? What words do you use a lot? What words are you not ever going to use in your content for whatever reason? You just don't think it aligns with your brand. And then take a look at your competition. What words are they using that you're not? And what words are they not using that you're comfortable using? That is a great way to help uh, identify your brand and help you stand out in the in the market. I'm interested about uh, learning a specific topic. For example, you have a new customer. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, uh, let's imagine uh, this customer, uh, this company sells uh, weight loss supplements. Uh, if you don't know uh, about weight loss, uh, especially supplements, uh, how to create uh, awesome content? I mean, like, how to research, learn more about mm-hmm. that and provide some uh, great text. Because, you know, uh, it's not about uh, creating just generic text. It's more about sharing your experience. But if you have no experience, how to find it? Yeah, I do start by doing a, a Google search and seeing what else is out there, seeing what the competition is covering. Um, like we've said again and again, we, we don't want to copy what other people are doing. But we do want to be aware of what other content is already out there, as well as be aware of what people are talking about. Again, that that requires going on social media and seeing what your 
your customers or your potential customers, what are they talking about? What weight loss discussions are they having? What challenges are they having? So that you can bring that up in, in your content. And I'm also a, a big fan of marketing or networking both in person um, and over Zoom. So if you're having these conversations with people, when you tell people what you do, what is their first reaction? Or what are some of the first questions that come up? Those are always great fodder for blog post topic ideas, because again, that those are real people out in the world who have these questions. So that identifies for you um, an, an opportunity to answer those questions in your content. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about AI tools? Uh, uh, it's a good idea to use them today, or it's better to skip it because they are not ready to replace human. And uh, yeah, do you use them? Yeah, no, I don't use them. Um, I don't think it's a good idea yet. Um, they, they, they really can't replicate the you know, the human element. Um, I mean, we've talked about you know relating to people and and creating those stories and understanding their psychology. And AI is not there yet. Um, it might get there someday, but I just I find it hard to believe that a computer can ever replace that human element. Um, that conversational content. Again, they can create content that is very grammatically correct, but dry and boring and doesn't have a story. And yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe someday, but right now it's, it's still early days. It's not there yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. By the way, I, I'm using AI tools, but I usually uh, edit a lot after that, you know, mm -hmm. when, when I create content with AI tools. And, um, you know, it, it depends. Uh, sometimes I can get uh, high text, you know, like high quality text. But um, what, uh, uh, you know, the main problem that we have with uh, AI tools, uh, they uh, can provide something new and unique. They just rewrite existing content online. Uh, but uh, if you spend time with editing, you can get good results with AI tools. But it depends. Uh, if you want to create super high quality uh, context, uh, it's better to avoid them. But if uh, you want to cover some specific niches, uh, many pages, uh, and you have time to edit uh, text, so why not? You, you can use them. Yeah, it depends. And uh, yeah, it's better to uh, read reviews about existing AI tools. Some of them uh, uh, work well, some of them uh, don't. So it, it depends. Just uh, spend time <laughs> learning more about that because I personally use them. Uh, because of creating a lot of content at scale, you know, when you create a lot of mm -hmm. content. But uh, if I post content on, uh, I don't know, like in a popular big website, uh, I'm not going to use them because they are not ready yet, uh, as you mentioned before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm interested about SEO. Uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, when I uh, write text, uh, I usually get results like, uh, um, yeah, even uh, yeah, even less than 20%. I mean, like uh, if we use uh, the Pareto principle, uh, but uh, how to learn that uh, the text is good uh, and, uh, you know, for example, sometimes when I can't get results, I just avoid them or uh, trying to fix, you know, to provide more insights, to rephrase, to use them. Uh, can you tell uh, how to learn that our text is good enough and you can improve it uh, or uh, it's better to update time to time? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. Look at your um, your results. Look, you know, have metrics in place and a, and a system in place for measuring how your content is doing. What's getting the most traffic? Are people engaging with that content? Are they clicking there and then clicking away right away? Because if that's the case, that's definitely an indication of a problem. Um, but yeah, when you talk about you know repurposing content or editing content and and republishing it, I do that all the time, and I always look at what content a is it still relevant because as an SEO professional, there's a lot of content I write that's no longer relevant. But there is a lot of stuff that I wrote a year or two ago that is still relevant and I absolutely can edit it and republish it. So um, I do tend to look at the stuff that is still getting traffic even you know months, a year later. So that is, that is my two criteria, what's still getting traffic mm -hmm. and what's still relevant. Uh, okay, let's talk more about storytelling. Can you tell how to craft your story? Uh, because I think this format works uh, much better than any other formats and my, uh, many big brands, they don't sell uh, products, they sell their stories. For example, when I check out new advertisement from uh, BMW, I can see you know, nice looking car with uh, happy people, you know, uh, uh, and uh, they're so happy to have this BMW driving it. And uh, but, uh, you know, when I check out some mediocre content, I can see uh, a lot of features about uh, many things uh, mm -hmm. in their cars. But BMW doesn't have the features on the first screen. They usually submit them. Uh, you can find, scroll, but most, uh, like 75 uh, of all decisions are emotions. Uh, can you tell about creating your story uh, for specific products? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, actually, I always think it's about creating your audience's story. Um, you want them to be the main character, or I should say they want to be the main character, right? Mm -hmm. So um, use the second person a lot when you're when you're writing. Don't say me, don't say I or we talk about you. Uh, talk directly to the person and talk about you know, what their life is like. Again, start with that pain point. I like to use what I call the Cinderella formula, right? So you start with the pain point where Cinderella, you know, her dad has just died and then things get even worse then, right? So that's your twisting the knife and saying, this is what happens if you don't solve the pain point, right? If you don't do anything about it. So, you know, for Cinderella, it was now she's stuck with her evil stepmother and stepsisters and is made to be a scullery maid. Um, and then you want to introduce a solution to the problem, right? So you come in as the fairy godmother and say, I have this solution. And in the form of a blog post, this would be your three tips to X, Y, Z or seven ways to solve this problem, right? And then you give them the tips and then you paint a, life, a vision of what their life will look like once it's been solved. So now you, in Cinderella terms, you're taking them to the ball, you're painting this picture of she's dancing with the prince, she's wearing this gorgeous gown, she's got the great shoes, life is perfect. And then midnight hits and she's back at home, right? With the pumpkin and the rags. And you have to remind your uh, your audience that they can't actually get their happy ending until they either take the action on what you just taught them, or they reach out to you to learn about XYZ, to buy your product or service from you, right? And then you're not going to give them that happy ending. You're not going to bring them back to the palace. You have to remind them that they have to take that last step for themselves. So that is a super powerful way to incorporate storytelling into your content, make it create value for your con for your audience, um, put them front and center in the story. Um, and that is a great way to um, make yourself memorable because as humans, we, 
you know, you can give them all the facts and statistics and it's going to go right over their heads. It'll go in one ear and out the other. But we remember stories as humans. We are primed to engage with stories and to remember them. So if you really want to be memorable, you're going to have to um, use those stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, by the way, uh, Claire uh, loves your style, <laughs> you know, sharing your stories. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Claire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, I have the question about editing. How it's important to edit text after writing? For example, um, uh, I've learned from uh, great book authors. They have editors, like uh, even, you know, when they write book, they have like six to 10 editors who can uh, reread this book, to edit a lot, and sometimes they can cut 50% of all uh, text uh, to simplify uh, experience, to personalize, uh, to provide some additional insights. Uh, can you tell how it's important, for example, for uh, website uh, content uh, to edit uh, text after writing? Because I know that many companies ignore. They just uh, hire copywriters, they write text, uh, submit it. Uh, but, uh, Big companies usually have additional uh, extra view, you know, to this content, mm -hmm. to check out how it works. Uh, tell more about editing. Yeah, it's super important. And I am, again, not remembering the stat that I know I, I looked up at some point, but a lot of people, a significant number of people will click away if they see a grammatical error on your website, uh, even even like a typo, right? Like, I think we'll, look, we'll overlook a certain number of typos. Um, but if it's consistent or if you, you know, if it just doesn't make sense, if it goes from one, you know, topic or subtopic to another without any real segue or any understanding of how they're linked, you're going to lose your audience. Um, and as soon as you confuse them or make them work to figure out what you're trying to say, they're going to click away because they didn't come here to work. They came here for an explanation of their answers um, of their or an, uh, solution to their problems. So you absolutely want to focus on that. And, um, yeah, you just, you need another pair of eyes and there's, there's no two ways around it. You need someone else to look at your content. Um, at least one other person to, again, make sure it makes sense. Um, the kind of editor you need depends on your industry. If you're in a B2B industry and you know, people understand your jargon and your, you know, your whatever, uh, the language you use in your industry, then absolutely use someone in your industry. But if you're in a B2C industry, um, or if you're someone like an attorney or a financial planner who might use complicated terms and your audience has no idea what those terms mean, you want to have an editor who um, does not have your understanding, who is, has that understanding, or at least can put themselves in the shoes of your um, your target audience so they can read your content and go, what does that mean? Or this doesn't make sense. Or I don't know what this term means. Cause again, if you confuse your audience, they're just going to click away. If you explain these things to them and, um, bring them to your level, then they are going to be much more likely to engage with you. But it takes so often it takes that other, um, the other set of eyes to really catch that because we get so we're so enmeshed in our own business and we do this all the time and we talk about this all day long that we sometimes forget that not everyone understands our jargon mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally by the way uh i usually ask my 11 years old son uh, to read <laughs> my text <laughs> and when they understand nothing about that 
yeah, by the way, I need to bribe him, you know, to buy uh, ice cream or something like this, you know, because he doesn't want to eat anything, but with ice cream he can, you know, like, uh, uh, spend the time eating and tell what he thinks about my text. If they, uh, if he doesn't understand, yeah, yeah I need to uh, re-edit my yeah. comments. <laughs> yeah, it, it's my way. Uh, I've learned this way from some companies. They usually use kids, you know, because uh, yeah, yeah, you can find some teenagers, your uh, relatives. Uh, it's better to ask them, uh, and yeah give your context <laughs> to analyze if they understand that's okay it doesn't matter even if your audience is uh, with phd or any other degrees uh, people hate uh, hard written sentences uh, mm -hmm. they hate you know to consume why they need to waste their time so it's better to simplify uh, by the way can you tell more about uh, how to simplify content for example if you write text it's better to you know uh, i usually spend more time to uh, you know when i write draft then I spend time to simplify, uh, to take away some sentences, uh, to change terminology. Can you provide more insights about that? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it on the head there where, um, first of all, you want to leave it alone for a while. I know when I write, when I edit my own content, I leave it alone for at least 24 hours, preferably closer to a week so that I can come back with really fresh eyes. Um, and that makes me more aware of when I'm running on and, <laughs> and over explaining something or going too into depth or yeah, when things just don't flow well from one point to another. So that is my first tip is just leave it alone for at least 24 hours. So you, you get that clarity. And then, yeah, like I said earlier, like you said, cut out as much, cut out anything extraneous um, for myself. That sometimes means certain words that I have noticed. I tend to overuse um, actually, really, I tend to overuse there. That is another word that's that tends to be really overused, and it's often superfluous. You don't need it. So just cutting out those words um, when you realize you use them a lot, if you cut them out, they can be so um, it, it can really cut down on the overall word count of your content. And again, use those short sentences and short paragraphs so you have lots of white space. Mm -hmm. I love it. Love it. Um... I want to ask about uh, uh, your passion. For example, uh, do you think uh, writing is your passion or not? Because, you know, I I, uh, I often speak with some entrepreneurs and they proclaim they hate writing. Okay, if you hate writing, ignore it, uh, hire someone else, you know, who, who will provide this job. Or, I don't know, uh, or use uh, different formats like video content, audio content. It's up to you. Uh, but uh, can you tell more about uh, writing? Uh, once I read an interesting book. Uh, and uh, the author of this book uh, shared the story when other offer uh, reach out uh, to her and ask, you know, uh, I can't get results with my writing as you do. You know, I can't sell my uh, books. I can't sell uh, any of my blog posts. Uh, I wasted like uh, 10 years uh, with writing, but results are so low. And uh, I'm tired with that. And, you know, she replied to him, uh, leave it. Forget about that. You know, if you can't enjoy the process, if you are suffering from that, it's not your direction. Find something else. You know, why you want to jump on this field if you hate it, if you uh, can't go ahead? Because perseverance, you know, uh, only can provide results when you love it. You know, uh, some companies, uh, some billionaires, you know, they spend like 10 years without any results. And yeah, they just love what they do. Can you tell more about your passion? Why do you think uh, writing is your passion and how to enjoy the process uh, writing uh, text? 
Yeah, well, like I said, I have always been a writer. I've been writing ever since I learned my alphabet. So this is absolutely my passion. I love it. I could write all day, every day. Um, I do often write all day long. So, and those are my favorite days where I get to just sit and write. So, but yeah, like you said, if it's not your passion, um, don't focus on it, especially the more we, we have access to things like video and audio content. Take advantage of that, especially since there are a lot of people who will be more likely to watch a video and or, or listen to a video. Even I've been known to put on YouTube and like put it on, like not really look at it, but listen to it. Um, same with podcasts. People do other stuff while they're listening to podcasts. So if you have another way to put out the information that is more organic to the way that you operate in the world, then absolutely go for it, especially since um, we do have ways to create written content from audio content. Again, we can use AI. We can, there are like automatic transcription services now where you like software that you can use to transcribe your audio content. So you do, for the moment, you do still need that, that text to get Google's attention. Google cannot read audio or visual content yet. They are working on it. So pretty soon text might well end up being obsolete from an SEO perspective. Um, but for right now, yeah, do the audio, do the visual, do whatever works for you and use that software to transcribe it. Do look it over because again, that AI is not perfect. So make sure you at least look it over before you publish it. But that's another way to get all these different kinds of content without spending all your time creating content, much less creating content that you don't want to be creating. You can focus on the stuff that works for you um, and let the AI do the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Love it, love it. Uh, okay, I want to ask about uh, the future. What kind of future uh, are you predicting in content marketing? Uh, why companies need to consider uh, it today? Probably Metaverse or Web3, I don't know, any other new techs will replace content marketing. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the metaverse because that's something I've been seeing. I feel like every time I see something about, um, you know, marketing in the future, everyone's talking about the metaverse, um, which I don't know if, if that's really an issue yet. Yeah, it is probably something we'll have to consider in the future, um, but it's I, I don't think it's really here yet the way Facebook wants us to think that it, it's already here. Um, I did mention, you know, audio and visual is, is growing. You and it, it continues to grow. And we have, um, for example, voice search is a big one where people, instead of typing their keywords, they are verbally asking, you know, Google Home or Alexa or Siri or whatever. They're verbally asking them um, questions, which changes how they ask questions because now they're putting it more in, in full sentences rather than just a string of words that don't make sense together. But, you know, Google can figure it out. Right. So that changes um, the content that shows up for them, the way that content gets matched with those searches. So that is absolutely something that uh, needs to be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that, you know, uh, nothing uh, is dropped in one day. You know, it takes time. Uh, today we can see it's growing, it's growing, and when uh, the new text will come, I think, uh, yeah, uh, it will be replacing uh, time to time. And uh, if you can see that it's diminishing, it's okay, you know, you can adopt new text, uh, think how you can use them, but uh, I think text will be forever, uh, it's my opinion, because you can use text in video description, in audio description, uh, 
anywhere you know yeah how you i i can't imagine any content without text even in infographics yeah uh, or pictures we use some text as well uh yeah that's why I, i'm thinking uh, yeah it's better to learn about new texts uh, uh adapt them but uh, writing will be in the case forever it's my opinion i don't know <laughs> probably in the future we can get some new text that they will replace all obsolete uh, techniques so we can see about that okay i have the question um can you tell one technique that uh, all companies need to do today just one technique uh, one tip uh, from your experience uh, if you uh, do uh, for example if you take new project what uh, it's a must have you know uh, from all different perspectives that we have today I think it all comes down to understanding your target audience. That is always mm -hmm. my first question is who's your target audience? Who are you trying to get in front of and what problems are you solving for them? If you focus on that, if you focus on the pain point, position yourself as an authority, explain that you have solutions, give them some of the solutions in your content so that you're demonstrating you have solutions and you're not just all talk. You actually have the, the data and the experience to back it up. I think that's at the heart of every marketing um, or should be at the heart of every marketing strategy, right? And there are a ton of different ways that you can do that and implement that strategy. But you, you need to, again, understand your target audience and address their pain points, answer their questions, um, and, and have a call to action. That's another thing I see a lot of brands falling flat on is they put out this great content and they wonder why no one is taking action. And it's like, well, you didn't give them an action to take. So make sure you have that funnel set up so you know where they're going from each stage of the marketing funnel so that you can actually convert those leads into customers. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Well explained. Alison, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. Uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so I am Alison Verhalen. I am on most of the social media channels as either Alison Verhalen or my company is AV, as in Alison Verhalen, AV Writing Services. And you can find my website is avwritingservices.com. So I'm pretty easy to find. And my book, uh, Content Marketing Made Easy by me, Alison Verhalen, is available on Amazon in print and digital. So that is something you can check out to learn more about me. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you need to follow Alison on social media. You need to read this book. Uh, choose your loving format, uh, print format, or uh, yeah, it's up to you. Uh, personally, I love audio experience uh, because I have no time, you know, to read books. But when I'm uh, walking with my dogs or I don't know, like exercising, training, I can listen to audio books because it's a lack of time uh, when I have my uh, you know, uh, yeah, many other things to do, but you know, yeah, I love with the experience. It's up to you. Just uh, find your line format, uh, learn more uh, from Alison. It's a big pleasure again to get you on my show to learn from you. Uh, and you guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.